I know enough about a testimony to get out of the way when one is being given. I know that Reverend Bristow's testimony is as instructive a sermon as you'll receive this morning. So I thank God for him and his sharing how good God has been in his life today. Anybody besides Cass had a good God in their life? Yeah. Yeah, he said he's been better to us than we've been to ourselves. It's sure true of me, too. Yeah. My Lord, bless you. Bless you. You just stand up here and sing like that. Just, just stand up here and sing. And then made himself shout. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was a whole worship service in one person. Yeah, you ought to get you one. Yeah, stand up in the bathroom mirror and make yourself shout. Think about how good God's been to you. Yeah, kids come running. What's wrong? What's wrong? Ain't that wrong? Everything all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's been so good. You do that too, though. Yeah. And you can do that even if you can't sing. Yeah, because you're not. That's right. That's right. It... That's right. What a wonderful opportunity it is for us to come today and just be together. Just sharing the oneness of celebration of a good God. This time of year is, is perfect. And you would think, you would think that everybody would be worship, would be rushing to worship. The problem is everybody doesn't know to worship. There are some people today, seven days out from Christmas Day, who are so stressed out because they haven't been able to find that one thing because they haven't gotten all that they need for the dinner or the gathering. And they don't know if they're going to make someone happy next Christmas morning. What I've always been amazed at is for all of the hustle, all of the bustle that's become the Christmas celebration, all of the, uh, the money spending, all of the uh, cards and invitations sent, in truth, it's over in about 20 minutes. After all of that, about 20 minutes after everybody get up, go peek under the tree, rip the gifts open, it's over. So, you know, thank you. Oh, I love it. What's for breakfast? Time to eat. Move on down the road, or maybe you got a dinner later that day and you want to deal with that. Can I tell you that we are pitiful if that's what the celebration is all about? If it's only about opening that gift, that box, and then you're through celebrating, then something's wrong with our celebration. Don't get me wrong. I don't think that there's anything wrong with giving gifts. I like it. I do it. I do it, but 
but not just on Christmas Day. Yeah, sometimes I need Christmas in June. Sometimes I need the spirit, you know, in October. And so trying to learn how to love people with the spirit of love and giving that emanates, that emanates from Christmas's season is something you should carry with you all year long. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to talk about today a little bit. We're going to talk about how to carry that joy with us through the whole year. The song, the sermon series we've been talking about this month has been Christmas playlist. Christmas playlist. I wonder what would be on your Christmas playlist. I wonder. Dirty, what? Let us know. Let, let, let us know. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of them. Whole lot of them. I've been listening at work a lot to Motown Christmas. Just in the background, people come in the office and they say, you listening to Christmas music? I said, baby, everybody needs and loves Christmas. And we remember it in different ways. And I can remember as I was growing, the strains of Motown emanating from the radio or maybe we had it playing in the house. And so my memories of Christmas are a lot, a lot of times rekindled by hearing Temptations, by hearing all those, all those secular singers who I believe, many of them, though they sang secular songs, you can always hear the strains of the church and what they're singing. That's how you get back in the spirit. How do you? What's on your playlist? We did the first time we came uh, in this sermon series. We did the first Noel, talked about the night that Christ was born or the day that Christ was born. Well, we don't know if it was day or night that he was born. <clears throat> and then we did, the next week we did, last week we talked about a way in a manger. He absolutely is a way. Who was he's the way who was in a manger. And this week we're going to talk about a song that is uh you probably can't today hear this song without hearing Whitney Houston sing. That's the that's the that's the the one that's predominant in secular culture. Is that from the preacher's wife? The preacher's wife. Yeah. That song just reverberates in that way. But the history of Joy to the world is much, much older than her. So many, so many groups sing that song. I like the pentatonics version, too. Really, really good. Uh, I also like Michael Buble and how he sings. I mean, it's just kind of eclectic how the different songs come out. Some of the older versions um, really speak to me. But Isaac Watts didn't imagine any of that. In fact, when Isaac Watts wrote this song, he didn't write a song that was going to be for Christmas. That wasn't even the purpose of the lyrics that he put to, pay, put, put to paper. He never imagined that it would be a, a Christmas song. And it wasn't for a long time that his words were actually married to the music that we know now. Yeah, he simply set out to write poetry. Poetry and the poetry that he wrote, the part that we now know of as Joy to the World, emanated from his use of the Psalms as the beginning of his poetry. And this particular song 
centers on Psalm 98, which is going to be one of the foundational scriptures we're going to talk about today. History matters. I wish we could pretty it up like they do on TV and show him sitting under trees or sitting at his desk. And then he writes down this song and then you see him at the piano trying to hum it out. That's just not how it is. That's not how life was for him. He penned it and many, 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 many years later, many, many, many years later, the, um, a musician married those lyrics to some all some arrangements he already had. Yeah, they 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 didn't get together and come up with this power duo <laughs> that created that created the song. Now Lowell Mason, when he put the words to the music, was in a completely different space. He thought, how many of you know that the Lord can use people in different times and in different places to create opportunities for worship? He can. He can. For example, the version that Reggie plays of this song, God gives it to him. It may be the lyrics that Isaac Watts wrote. He may even use some of the music that Lowell Mason penned. But it's Reggie's version of Joy to the World when he plays it. And that's how it is with you. When you sing your version of it, you may be using someone else's effort, but you add your own to it. And you make it, you make it yours. But my question to you is, since they didn't plan on creating a church song or a religious song, that's not what was intended by Isaac Watts. What's your intention when you when you sing? Are you singing what the song really says? Is it joy that emanates from you? And if so, what's the source of your joy? that makes you sing this song? And is this a gift that you want to give to the world when you sing it? Because it makes all the difference in the world. I've already told you that Isaac Watts wasn't trying to sing something. He wouldn't come up in 45th Street singing that song because he didn't make a song. He wrote poetry. Lowell Mason was doing something completely different. And can I tell you, when Isaac Watts who penned a lot of, he did pen songs and he got in trouble with the church. Because of the song. He was like a modern day Kirk Franklin. He got in trouble with the church because his songs deviated from the norm of worship at that time, Justin. All they would do at that time was recite the Psalms and scripture and put that to music. And that was the worship experience. And so anyone who used words that deviated from the Psalms or deviated from scripture was seen as secular and was castigated. And so when you start using words, watch this, that evoke emotion from people, they didn't want to hear that at all. And so he got in trouble and was castigated by the church. But how many of you know that a good song will show enough get to you? Whoo! It'll make you say amen or something. They didn't want that at the time. And so he broke the mold with a lot of the song, mold that a lot of the song with a lot of the songs that he made. And Joy to the World now fits that mold. But not when it was initially created. I remember and talk about joy. I wonder if you went back and imagined the most joyous time of your life. When would that be? If you're at that place right now. I mean, it depends on your age. But what's the most joyous time 
of your life. Now, this is more difficult to answer if you don't know what joy is. Okay? Because most of us confuse joy and happiness. What's the most joyous time of your life when it was just, oh, in your opinion, the best it could ever be? Where were you? Under what circumstances? Somehow that's more difficult to imagine than if I ask you, what's the worst day of your life? When was it horrible for you? For some reason, we hang on to horrible more than we hang on to joy. We, we, we hang on to horrible. You can tell the details on horrible. Yeah, you can spit it out, still see the emotion in folk. What about joy? To this day, 58 years later, I think my joy was centered around 3701, 43rd Avenue. I tell my folk this all the time. And it didn't have to be Sunday morning. I mean, Christmas morning. It could have just been any day that I was at 3701, 43rd Avenue North. That's my grandmom and granddad's house. But on Christmas morning, when all their children and all their children's children came into that three-bedroom house. For some reason, it was almost the perfect setting for me. I could just sit there and be in the middle of it. And I could see my siblings, my mama, my dad, all my cousins, my uncles, and my grandmom and granddad just sitting back my grandma was orchestrating with her daughters. but And I wonder to this day when I see that house, how we all get in the house? How do we all get in that house and sit around comfortably? Nobody was ever complaining because it was too hot or crowded. It was just being at mom and daddy's house. And we sat there and there was food like a banquet. And I'm not making this up. When you got to feed nine kids, you, get, you learn how to cook a lot of food. Uh, and their kids, there's a lot of food. When I sit there and I think about it, I can close my eyes right now and I can see us in that space. And that's not to disrespect what I had, what the Lord has blessed me with since then because I'm certainly grateful for it. But I'm talking about where I derived my sense of the definition of joy was in that space. And today, here I am, 58 years later, and we don't even go to the house no more. And the main people who lived in that house are gone to glory. We couldn't recreate the scene if we wanted to. And we have wanted to. Many, many times we wanted to recreate that scene. And yet, if you ask me quickly, I'll tell you, at mom and dad's house. That's where I learned joy. Yeah. So what about you? And why? And can you tell somebody about that like I just told you? Because when we start talking about this song, Joy to the World, we ought to be able to tell somebody why it's joy and why we share it with the world. What's so good about it that we need to share it 
with someone. Let me read Psalm 98 for you, give you some context. Verses 1 through 6 say, Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shafor. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. That's a mysterious song, but it's not really. It's saying simply that God kept his word to Israel. And God told Israel that he was going to always be their savior and rescue them and that he would send a Messiah to save them and us from sin. And all this psalm is saying is that God kept his word. That's all it's saying. Now, that's the Old Testament version of what we celebrate in the New Testament. That's all this is. So let me see if I can bring it out a little bit more. All right. Many people will tell you that a key indicator of whether you are a mature Christian is the presence of joy in your life. In other words, you can't prove to folk that you're a Christian by being sour all the time. How is that attractive to anyone? And how is it indicative of what God has done for you? When you are always grumbling and always sour and always mad, and I came to tell you that's not Scripture. Scripture says that because God gave it to you at salvation, joy is already in you. It's part of the Spirit the fruit of the spirit that was put in every believer. And so if you tell me you ain't got no joy in your life, it makes me wonder if you got some Jesus in your life. All right, because Jesus comes with joy. And if you're not able to tell folk about the joy in your life, I'm not talking about whether you can articulate it, but just say, I got joy in me, joy, 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 down in my soul. You ought to be able to tell somebody how good God has been to you. And being able to tell them how good God has been to you means that you understand that you got to keep watering your joy. The reason why you're sour is because you water your sour. You nurse your sour. The bad things in your life, I just, I just set this up a long time what is the happiest time in your life? Maybe you're telling me I, I've never had any time in my life when I knew what joy was. Maybe that's what you're saying to me, and if that's the case, then I'm excited. 
I'm excited for you because your joy has come. All right? That means it's on the way. You simply need to anticipate when you recognize that joy in your life. All right? Some of us have already been fortunate and have a foundation and benchmark from when that joy is in our lives. And we work from that. We work from that like I just told you I did. But if you haven't had that experience yet and you've got the love of Christ in you, then get ready. Because joy is going to show up in your life. But first, you got to nurture your joy. Oh, yeah, you have to nurture it. You have to grow it. And how do you do that? Well, it's simple. There are a couple of things that help us understand and nurture our joy. And it's simple. You're going to be shocked when I tell you how very simple it is. When you have joy in your life, that's because you know how, Andrew, to remember. Just that simple. You know how to remember. Yeah, joy helps you remember. You see somebody that's always excited, then you just see the testimony. Yeah, because he said, I remember. I don't look like what I've been through. I remember who I used to be, what I used to do, how I used to act. And the same God who's with me today brought me all the way out of that. And that's why I have joy. That's just what he told Israel. He said, I will rescue you, Hebrew, from Egypt. And he did. He rescued them, took them out of bondage, and it wasn't very long before the very ones he took out of bondage stopped doing what? Say remember. They stopped remembering. They, they stopped remembering. They start saying, as soon as they got out, like, I'm, I'm saying, uh, this Egypt, I'm standing in Egypt. God stepped them out, bing, into the desert, rescued them. Now, when they were up here in Egypt, Linda, they were in bondage. They were slaves. They were slaves. Some of us would rather dwell on our slavery than celebrate our freedom. Now, now you may not have been in physical bondage to anybody, but you may have been in psychological bondage. You may have been in financial bondage. You may have been in, in, in any kind of other bondage you can put in that, in, in that sentence. But you'd rather dwell on that than deal with the unknown of freedom. And that's where they were. He got them out of Egypt, took them into the desert. It was unknown. They complained. Oh, did you bring us out here in the desert for us to starve to death? So he gave them food. He gave them food. In fact, he gave them food every day. They didn't have to hit a lick at a stick. They didn't have to work all they had to do was go out in the morning, look up at the sky, and God dropped food down to them. It was called manna. Wasn't long, Brent, before they started complaining. He just give us Taco Bell. We want McDonald's. 
we miss McDonald's. Can we get some Burger King? How about Zaxby's every now and then? We get tired. Anybody got a Chick-fil-A coupon? God wasn't making them do anything. Just feeding them and they started complaining about the food that he was giving them. They wanted meat. They said, you're just giving us this manna, which, you know, Bible refers to as angel's food. It was who knows what 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 manner was made out of? There's no one now. There's no there's no famous chef today who can replicate a recipe for manner. They can call it whatever they want. It ain't yeah. They can you know this is tortilla manner. No, nobody knows what God made manner from. Even though the Bible will give you some ingredients, all I know is it was it had some qualities that were magnificent. Because you had to pick it up in the morning. And you had to get enough for each person to have three meals a day. Wasn't no snacks included. Wasn't a diabetic plan. Listen. I'm sorry, I got personal in that. Yeah. Three meals a day. Personally. You could not get extra. And it would not last till the next day. It would... It would rot. If you tried to keep it over to the next day, it would rot. So give us this day. Our daily bread. That, 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 that's what he gave them every day. All right? All right? Donnell didn't eat his food today. Well, Donnell going to have to wait till tomorrow. All right? Because the manna gone for today. Tuesday's manna is no good on Wednesday. All right? He gave them that. But the manna was enough. Think about this now. The manna was significant enough to provide all the nourishment they needed. Just that item of food. Enough nutrients to keep them healthy and strong. But they wanted meat. So God allowed quail and pheasants to fall out the sky so deep you could stand in it. They had more meat than they, they had meat till meat made them sick eating meat. But he heard them. Why did he do that? Because they were complaining about, look, 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 they had the audacity. They had the audacity. Too many folk in here who've never seen Roots, the movie. They don't know the movie Roots was a cultural phenomenon when it came on TV. It was bigger than Stranger Things. Alright? Y'all go to these Netflix shows and they say, 30 million people watching Stranger Things. When I tell you Roots was watched by just about every household in America when it aired on regular TV, can you imagine Coonton them saying once they got up out of slavery, I showed them Mr. Mills Massa had when he used to feed us what he didn't want. What he didn't want. But that's exactly what the Israelites were saying. When God rescued them, they said, we miss onions and, and leeks. We miss all those things that we had when we and fish when we were back in Egypt. They were reminiscing on slavery. How many of you don't have joy in your life because you keep reminiscing on slavery? 
while you keep romancing slavery. The worst part of your life, you keep massaging. And that's why you can't find joy. Joy sitting over there in the corner just waiting to be called out. Waiting on you to call it out. And all you do is keep hollering at slavery. Yesterday. That's why you don't have joy to share with somebody else. And nobody wants to join your reminiscing by slavery party. No, because they see it for what it is. It's not healthy. So remembering is a part of your joy. You got to remember how good God has been to you. And this is what I love about it. Even though I had spots in my life that are not idyllic, I'm emboldened because I know how good God can be. Because he's shown me the best of it. He's shown me how it operates. I may not be in that space now, but God's been, when you say, good to me. That's the joy that I have in my life. And so it doesn't matter. Right, write this down. It may not matter what's happening right now. Because happiness depends on what's happening right now. But joy gives me a foundation to stand on through good times and bad times. In fact, I need you to know this. God gave us joy to celebrate in all seasons of life. That's the purpose of joy. To celebrate in good times, yes. But to be mature enough to celebrate him in bad times, he gave us joy. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to be human. There's some bad times when you're going to be crying and emotional. That's normal. But that doesn't mean you doubt faith. Or you, you, you have no faith. That doesn't mean you doubt God. That doesn't mean like Job's wife told him to curse God and die. Oh, oh yeah. Job, that's your example in scripture. Why do you think he, he was given to us as an example? He was a righteous man. And then the bottom fell out of his life. What he didn't realize was this was given to us. The whole episode of Job's life in the Bible was given to us as an example of how you deal with life under trying circumstances. Because God said, have you considered my son, Job? Who was he talking to? The devil. The devil saying to God, man, you give me Job, I'll turn his life upside down. He'll curse you and go on about his business. God had enough faith in Job that he put Job's name on the line when the devil said, show me one. That's how much confidence he had. Now, the question is, would he have that confidence in us to put our name on the line and say, in good times and in bad times, he's going to ride with me. Job, my ride or die. That's what, God, that's what God said. Job is my ride or die. Yeah, literally, ride or die, Job is going to be with me. And Job proved it. Even though the folk around him, his children died, took all his wealth, his wife is sitting around paying attention to what's happening and forgetting how God had blessed them before. 
forgetting how good God had been to them. She is consumed in devastation instead of being concentrated on devotion. And because of that, she gives her husband the advice that is grounded in worldliness and not faith. And she said, man, curse God and die. And Job says something that I need you to walk out here with today. It's mature. You might not be able to give it a full-throated statement, but put it down and be able to reference it. Job said, shall we take good from God and not bad? Oh, that's a hard statement. That's a hard statement. That's a statement that showed up in that family's life this Friday morning that I just told you about when their 21-year-old son passed away. That's a hard statement. When people talk about it in theory, they got it in the lab of life Friday. And I'm telling you, nobody can come tell you in a time like that that you shouldn't be devastated, that you shouldn't be sad. What I'm trying to tell you is those circumstances don't change who God is. Don't change what God can do in your life. They're horrible. They're horrible. And God's saying, I'll be with you even in the horrible time. Even in the horrible time. We don't have to go outside this church for folk to know that that's true. We don't. We got some testimony right here who know as devastating as that news is, God is faithful. And he'll keep you even in the midst of those troubles. And so, before you start pulling out your sanctified scalpel to cut up Israel, I want you to see if you remember how good God has been to you. You know what God has done for you. And if you do, then you understand that remembering a good memory helps you understand what joy is. Not only that, you know you have joy. The second thing is you know you have joy because of God's righteousness. It's not because of your righteousness. not because of your goodness. It's because of how good God is. And he, being a righteous God, allows your joy to be full. In other words, God is not a liar like men are. God is true to his word. And when he says he's going to do something, you can count it as done because God is righteous. Let me see. Psalms 982 said, the Lord has made known his salvation. He said, I'm going to rescue you. And he rescued you. He said, his righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. So in front of all the non-believers, God proved that his word was true. Romans 1 and 17 says, for it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That's the NIV version. version. But the King James Version is so, such, uh, so poetic that people always say it, that God's righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. But it simply means from the first believer to the last believer, God's going to be true to his word. And so by placing our faith in God and what God said he was going to do, by placing our faith in God's 
statement that he was going to always be with us, then we understand what the birth of Christ means. That's why we know that God giving us Jesus Christ is just evidence of his righteousness. Let me tell you why you ought to shout on that. The reason why you can shout about God giving us Jesus as validation of his righteousness is because he said that Jesus, who was taken away from here, is going to come back again. And the fact that he said it and did it the first time ought to give you faith that he's going to do it again. So I believe. Why? Remember, we used to say all the time, the reason I can believe that Jesus is coming back again is because he came the first time. So for those of you who have not understood and celebrated the birth of the babe in the manger, I came to tell you that the fact that he came in the manger, even though he was taken away from here on the cross, ought to tell you that he's coming again in the clouds. He's coming back to us because God is true to his word. That's the joy we have. Because we understand what salvation really is. Salvation means that God is going to rescue us. And he has. The rescuer was Jesus Christ. This joy I have. The world didn't give it to me. Stop celebrating as the world celebrates. Start celebrating as heaven told us to celebrate. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate him coming. If you must celebrate his crucifixion, but definitely celebrate his resurrection and await him coming again to save us again. The last thing I need you to know is that we have joy because we know that if we stuck down here, we're going to be rescued by Jesus Christ. Oh, he's going to come back. He's going to come back and, and, and rescue us. And if we live long enough, then we'll see the rescue happen in our life. But if we don't, then he's still going to rescue us. We're promised to be with him in glory. I remember, I remember that Jesus Christ died for me the first time. Yeah. I also remember that Jesus Christ lives for me right now. And if I can continue to remember that, then I should know that Jesus Christ is coming back for me again. Last thing, I'm out here. What's the best way to help you remember? What is the best thing you can do to help you remember? Because some of us are sitting here and we're straining to remember some of the best times in our life. I, I can remember some emotional points in my life when I really struggled. I remember June 2nd, 1981. I just walked out of the auditorium at West End High School for graduation. And I walked out in front of the school and it dawned on me for real that I was through with that. It was such a consuming notion. I was 16 years old. It dawned on me. Wasn't it? I know college and all that. We've been talking about it. But for real, the pressure of life is like, what next? What, what, what am I going to do next? I couldn't have put the ensuing 42 years together to save my life. I couldn't put it together 
from that moment standing on Pearson Avenue in front of Weston High School, couldn't have put how God has arranged my life to save my life. And yet he did it. He put together a success plan for me. And I got to tell you right now, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed to tell you, I didn't always stick with the plan. I didn't always do what he told me to do. I didn't go to the places he told me to go, and I didn't talk to the people he told me to talk to. I did it my way too much. And almost altered the, the plan completely at certain steps along the way. But God was faithful. God always sent somebody to me to straighten me out. He always got me back on track. I know some of you right now are struggling with what about tomorrow? What, what about tomorrow? Yeah, songwriter said many things about tomorrow. I can't seem to understand. The bottom of that song is so true. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds my hand. My question to you today is, who's holding your hand? And do you have, if you know that, then you ought to have joy. You ought to be able to tell somebody that God has been good to me. He's kept me. You remember what he's done for you in the past. How can I not depend on somebody who's kept me 58 years in a way that I couldn't keep myself? Who's led me along the way. No pedigree. No name to speak of. And yet God has brought me along the way in this world where people count who you are as something. God has blessed me. To be in places that I never should have been able to walk into. To do jobs I never should have had. To do jobs I wasn't even qualified to do. But if he calls you, he'll qualify. He'll bless you. The only question is, will you bless somebody else? When he does that for you. Yeah, that's why I got joy. Down in my heart. That's why I got joy. I got to tell you, I know that God has been good to me. The glorious thing about keeping your memory intact, the thing that can help you the most is telling somebody what's happened to you. Some of us are not practicing the joy that we have because we don't tell nobody how good God has been to you. I'm sorry. I'm going to get on your nerves telling you how good God has been to me. Why? Maybe some of it is selfish, Monica, because when I tell you, that means I got to remember how good God has been to me. And maybe you can't remember because you don't talk to nobody about that day when he picked you up, when everybody else walked walked out on you. Tell somebody how good he's been to you. That's why I can sing joy to the world because joy did come to the world. Joy! is in the world right now with me, in me. Joy, down in my heart, coming out my mouth. My life is all about joy. I want yours to be about joy too, but you better grab you some Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? I'm empowered to tell you that he came in a cradle, in a, in a, in a, in a manger for you. 
came just for you, just for you. He lived 33 odd years just for you, just to show you that it could be done. He went on the cross just for you. He stayed on that cross. Bible says six hours went from. Stayed on that cross till heaven was satisfied that that was enough to rescue you. Make it personal. You might not be able to do it in the general. God was so pleased with what he did in those 33 years and on that cross that Friday that he picked him up out of that grave and he put life in him just for you. Resurrected him just for you. Now he stands with the Father advocating just for you. Have you accepted this? That's why I got joy. Because if don't nobody else call my name on this side of heaven, Jesus has called my name. Yeah, Jesus knows who Donnell is. And I matter to Jesus. That's why I got joy. There's joy in this world right now, but are you telling somebody? Now's the time. You've never accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior. And the doors of our church are flung open right now. Today is the day.